What are the most important words ever spoken? Maybe your mind is starting to think of a few of those phrases and words. The most famous, the most powerful words ever spoken. I've thought a few. Let me just see if you can recognize who or where they came from. There's this one, let there be light. Pretty important statement back in the day. How about, how about I have a dream? Maybe you're familiar with that. Four score and seven years ago. Anybody? To be or not to be? Very philosophical. I think, therefore, I am. Again, very, pretty heady stuff there. Best of times, and it was the worst of times from literature. Ask not what your country can do for you. Okay. Don't eat yellow snow. That's also very important. Sorry, I just added that one. That was not necessary in the mix of this. What words would you add to that list? What words, if you were writing down, comprising the most important words ever spoken in human history, what words would you, would you add to that list? There might be a better question if I were to position it. Who in your life gets your full attention when they speak? Like, who is it in your life that when they say something, there could be a lot going on, but you clue into what they're saying. When they speak, you focus, laser focus on what they say. Who is that in your life? Now, I want to take a quick poll to see where we're at on this. So if you're here with us in person, maybe shout it out to the person, you know, socially distanced as you can, what your, that person is in your life, who that person is. And if you're online with us, we want to welcome you. Put that in the chat feature. Who is that person in your life that when they speak, they get your full attention? Go ahead. Say it out loud. It's interactive. You can do that. And you can put that in the chat window. It could be a mom. You know, it could be mom. Well, you listen to mom. Could be a, a father figure, uh, your actual dad. Could be a, a coworker. I, I worked for a CFO for a while as an IT guy in Nashville, and whenever that guy spoke, I listened. Now there was a CEO, but it was the CFO that I listened to, because he was right on the money. Who is that person for you? Could be anything that your grandma said, or maybe anything that James Earl Jones says. I'm not sure, but there's people in our lives, right? When they when they say something. It has weight. Well, you know where I'm going with this. What about the words of Jesus? The words of Jesus arguably are the most important words ever spoken. And we know this to be true. Even people who are far from Jesus, even people who really aren't, don't consider themselves religious or they're not part of church, they might even be able to recite the words of Jesus, especially if they've ever been to a professional sports contest. They can remember the placard that says John 3.16, and you know some of those words. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever would believe in Him would have life and life eternal. Right? People know the words of Jesus, even if they don't even recognize it's Him saying them. These words are powerful. What words of Jesus have you memorized and put into your heart and soul regularly? 
What are those phrases that Jesus spoke that you take into your life? And here's the better question maybe than that is, what have you taken to heart? What have you actually put into practice in your life? Are you and I doing what he asks us to do? You might be thinking, well, that's a great idea. How do we do that? It seems, seems like a simple challenge, but it seems like what do we what do? We do? And, and do you think, and this is just something to, to ponder for a second, do you think Christians, do you think ch- the church in our culture right now, in our world, do you think we're doing a good job putting Jesus' words into practice? I mean, that's, that's the big question, right, for all of us. I mean, there's lots of information, folks, all the time. There's good information. There's good platitudes and three steps to a better life. But it's G- if Jesus' words are the most powerful, how are we doing at putting those into practice? And does the world around us look at the church and look at Christians and say, they're putting the words of Jesus into action? That's a big question for us that's hanging, I think, in the air. Do you think that people view Christians as people who regularly put the teachings of Jesus into action? Do you think when the world and, the, and culture looks at the church and looks at Christians, do they think, wow, they're really putting the words of Jesus into action? And if they're not, what could we do about that? What can we do about that? See, the problem is I think many people view Christians in the church, and they don't want to be just speaking in vague generalities, but I think a lot of times people will look in on what we're doing here or, or in on, on, on your life as if you say you're a Christian at work or whatever. They'll look at our lives, and, and, and they'll, they'll not see maybe Jesus. They might describe us as other things, and maybe you can fill in the blank. Maybe people view Christians as judgmental, maybe bigoted, homophobic, cold, legalist, unfriendly? Is is that the way of Jesus? I want that to hang here for a second. Is that the way of Jesus? Is that how people viewed Jesus in the first century? Because for me, I see people drawn to Jesus, not repelled for the most part from him. In fact, the people that I see drawn to Jesus are people that might fit into categories you and I wouldn't agree with. And yet, people were drawn to him. And and, and the deal is, I think many people have developed their opinion of Christians and Christianity in the church from their interactions with Christ followers who were either misguided or, you know, uninformed about what the practices of Jesus really was. And they're rejecting. Here's the hard part about this. And, and, and I hope you feel the weight of what I'm about to say here. People have often said no to Jesus, not because of Jesus, but because of his followers. Man, that should carry weight with us. Those of us in this room and those online that call themselves Christ followers, we need to take that to heart. If people are rejecting Jesus because of the way that we're living and not putting his words into practice, we need to have a gut check and figure out what we're doing. I want to change this. I hope you want to change this. I want want to change that narrative in our culture about Christians in, in the church. Because I think if we put the words and the teachings of Jesus actually into practice, they will be attracted to what's going on. They'll want to be part of that. They'll want to be on Team Jesus. I really, really believe that. This, this red-letter challenge that we're going to be talking about the next several weeks is all about 
something very simple. Putting Jesus' words into action. Empowering every Christ follower to show people the real Jesus by putting his words into practice. See, I, I, I believe if we can give the right, the right expression of who Jesus really is, people will want to be part of that. I think we can change the narrative. I think we can change the story. I think we can change people's opinion of Christianity when we become the beautiful people who follow a beautiful Savior. When we put his words into practice. Pastor Ben, I'm glad you're here with us today. We have, we're here in person. We're here online. Glad you're there with us. This is our regular practice on Sundays. We gather even during pandemics. We gather to lift up the name of Jesus. And we gather as a regular rhythm to remember what Jesus did so long ago on a Sunday. He rose from the dead and changed human history forever. So we gather, we pray together, we sing together, we take communion, we're generous together we encourage one another. So I'm glad you've made this part of your regular rhythm. And the big question for this Red Letter Challenge series that we're kicking off today is, what if we took the words of Jesus and put them into practice? If you've been with us for, for a little amount of time, you know that we did a series last year, toward the end of last year, called The Art of Neighboring. And the whole idea behind The Art of Neighboring was, what if when Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, he literally meant it? And so in that series, we were trying to put the words of Jesus into practice. And this is an extension of that idea, that we would live out the words of Jesus and so that people would see Jesus through us. He would, he would be shining through us. And that we could show the world and our culture how beautiful Jesus is, his truth, his love, his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy. That's what we want people to see. And I believe that that can happen. Would you pray with me? Let's, let's pray together. Father, we come before you, uh, both in person and online. We want to honor you this morning. It's the first day of the week. Christ followers all over the globe right now are, are worshiping on this first Sunday of 2021. And Father, we know that you have great big things you want to do. You can do immeasurably more than any of us could ask or imagine. And Father, we want to put your words into practice. Put your, your son Jesus' words into practice so that people see him through us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So let me explain a little bit. So the Red Letter Challenge uh, is something that came out a few years ago and I thought was really cool. And we've really not done a whole lot of these sorts of uh, challenges, I guess, as a church family. But this one really struck me. The Red Letter Challenge is about spending time reading and, and taking to heart the words of Jesus and, of course, then putting them into practice. And, and the hope is that we would spend together 40 consecutive days reading the words of Jesus and putting them into practice in our lives. And so we, we wanted to encourage all of us, and we're going to start this next Sunday. That'll be the first day of the 40 days, and it'll end, I think, February 18th, about two days into Lent, if you're familiar with that season of the church. But we're going to be in that for 40 days, and the idea is spend some time in the Gospels. That's where most of the words of Jesus are found. Now, there are words of Jesus found all over Scripture, but they really focus on those first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And so we see Jesus interacting with his disciples. We get to see what's going on there. And, and so you might wonder, well, what's the red letter challenge thing all about? Well, back in the day, people used to take calendars, uh, printed calendars. You remember what those are? <laughs> printed calendars. And, and they would mark on those special days often with a red pen or a red... So people used to mark special days and special milestones 
with red ink. And so some publishers in the late 1800s that published Bibles thought, you know, what if we put the words of Jesus in red to signify their importance, kind of like you would signify an important day on a calendar. Let's signify the importance of these words in the scripture. So in the late 1800s, several of the key publishers of scripture in the English Bible started putting the words of Jesus in red. And that, that includes the King James Version, uh, the NIV version, even the more modern version like the ESV, putting Jesus' direct quotes in red. Now, you might think right away, well, well, Ben, aren't all words of Scripture important? Well, yeah, they are. Even the words in black ink, they're, they're all important. They're all God-breathed. They're all very, very important for us, authoritative. They are very important. But the words of, of Jesus being in red kind of helps clue us in. Sometimes we as humans need a little help with focus. You ever feel like that? You need a little help with focus? So it's kind of nice to be able to have these words in red that can kind of cue us in on some of those direct quotes that Jesus said. And it's all important, but I think sometimes the words of Jesus can really stir us to love and good deeds and, to, and, to, and basically to encourage us to grow. And, and while we're going through this series, we're going to cover five like, key priorities of Jesus. We're going to cover five key priorities. We'll start next week with the first one. And the first one is this, being. You see, Jesus w- would call his early followers to come not sit in a church service, which that's not bad, but he didn't call them initially to that. He called them to come follow me. There was an action going on. He would, he would invite people into relationship, and he would say, come eat with me. Uh, come hang out. Follow me. There was this, this idea of Jesus wanting to be with us. So that's the first priority, is the idea that Jesus and us are in relationship. You and I are in relationship with Jesus, because everything else flows from being with Jesus. So that's the first key priority that we'll talk about starting next week, spending time with him. The next one is forgiving. You can't get too far in Scripture or too far into the teachings of Jesus without seeing that forgiveness is a huge part of not only our walk with the Lord, but our walking in relationship with other people. That forgiveness is actually one of the clarion calls of every Christ follower. We've received so much forgiveness, and so then we can extend forgiveness. So that's the second big priority of Jesus. The third one is this, serving. See, they're kind of building on each other. Right? So you start with being with Jesus, and then that automatically flows into being a forgiving person, and then it flows into being a serving person. What is serving all about? In the, the life of following Jesus, service, putting other people's needs above our own, is a really, really big priority. And so we put others' needs first, and we learn to actually walk selfless. That's the third thing. The fourth thing is this, giving. Now, you may wonder, well, why would we talk about giving in this priority scene? Look, Jesus spoke more about giving than any other subject. And there's probably a lot of reasons for that, but I I think one of the big reasons is control. And I think in Christ, we're supposed to surrender our lives. And so he speaks about giving and resources. And so that's another key point that we're going to do. Number four is, 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 is prioritizing our time and our resources, our talents, our money for him. And, and we're going to talk about this in a few weeks, but it is impossible, and I will make this statement, it is impossible to be a stingy follower of Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, we are just generous people because God is so generous to us. So we're going to talk about that in, in, in the fourth priority. And then the fifth one, the final one is going. That Jesus called us to be a people in motion. He called us to be a people who have a mission. 
that no matter where we go, we'll take Jesus with us. We don't know how long we're going to be in Dallas or Monmouth or Independence or wherever, wherever your, your, your home is right now. We don't know how long God has called us to be in a certain location. We take him wherever we go. We take the love of Jesus and the truth with us wherever we go. We are basically his ambassadors. We're his uh, product evangelists, if you will. We're telling people how great it is to experience the love of Jesus. So we're a people on mission. So we'll talk about the idea of going and what that might mean for you and I. If you have a Bible... Turn to Matthew chapter 7. And some of you that are familiar with Scripture, you'll know that Matthew 7 is is kind of the ending of arguably one of the most famous sermons of all time. It's following what's called the Sermon on the Mount. The sermon starts in Matthew chapter 5, and I encourage you to read that. It's a great sermon. Boy, Jesus does so much in the sermon that is is controversial and uh, just out there. But we, we get to chapter 7, and he's wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm going to read it here on my device. You can pull that up on your device, or if you have a, a printed Bible, I encourage you to do that. It's just good to be able to do this together. Let's read together, not just what I say, but what the Scriptures actually say. Way more powerful in Matthew 7. So find that. Basically what we've got here, as, as, as Jesus ends this sermon, he's, he's wrapping up with this, this kind of this twofold key to following Him. This twofold key, and it, it starts with this. Hearing His words and then putting them into practice. Hearing, putting them into practice. Not either or, not one or the other, but hearing his words and putting them into practice. And, and he, he puts it this way. In Matthew chapter 7, we're just going to read a few verses, starting with verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down. Anybody have heard this story before? Raise your hand Put it on the chat window. You've heard this before. Probably back in Sunday school. Back, They still do that. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. And yet it did not what? It did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain came down, the streams rose. I think there's a song that goes with this. The streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a crash. No, it fell with a great crash. Great devastation. Now, again, if you, if you read the Sermon on the Mount, it, it's a pretty powerful sermon. I mean, Jesus does some things that are, are it's dense. I mean, it's, it's, there's so many things that we can do, so many nuggets that we find in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus uses humor, he uses sarcasm, upside-down concepts, countercultural ideas. The sermon is rich, is my point. So I encourage you to, to, to check that out. But it's interesting that he closes that powerful message with a story that reminds me of a kid's story back in the day. Doesn't it sound like the three little pigs a little bit? You know what I'm saying? Do they still teach that? I don't know. So book of that. I probably have one at home. You know, the three little pigs, right? The, you get the wolf going on, and you get the three little, and you get the different building materials, I think. It's been a while since I've read the story. But it just reminds me of that, because he's basically saying, look, if you want your house to stand up and not blow over when the winds or the storm or the bad, evil wolf comes, practice what I'm preaching. Do what I say. It's what Jesus is essentially doing there. Reminds me of that story. He'll say it in a different way in Luke 
chapter 11, verse 28. He says, says it this way. Blessed, rather, are those who hear the word of God and obey it. We used to sing a, a hymn. It's one of my favorites. And it goes something like this. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. I'm really hashing this, but to trust and obey. Essentially, Jesus is saying you're blessed when you not just get God info in. It's when that God info starts to influence how you operate. So it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a practical thing. You hear, but that's just part of it. Then you put it into practice. Again, I realize easier said than done. We're all, we all agree we're never going to be perfect at this. But this is our aim that we hear the words of Jesus and we put them into practice. James, the brother of Jesus, he puts it this way in, in James 1.22. James chapter 1, 22. This is another book in the Bible, in the New Testament. It says this, Do not merely listen to the word uh, uh, and, and so deceive yourselves. So don't, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So there's, again, how many different camera angles on this can we get here? We hear what he says, and then we have this important part, component of doing what he said. Easier said than done. But here's the thing, and I want to bring this down to you and me. This is a great time, and, 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 and psychologists will tell you this, that we need as humans often stops and starts. Well, we have a new start. And I'm not asking you to create a bunch of you know, goals for the new year uh, or, or these things that we want to accomplish. I want us to have this challenge to get us into Jesus' words so that we can get them here and get them here. And I believe every one of us in this room wants that. I really do. I could be wrong. Everybody online, I think we all want to grow. I think this could be a banner year. We started a new decade last year. I realize it didn't start the way we wanted to. But we are, we are on the cusp of something new, and as humans, we need those starts and stops. I feel like this could be a game changer for many of us in this room, many of us online, that we actually put the words of Jesus into practice more than we ever have before. I think deep down we want to grow. I want to grow. Do you want to grow? I would hope. No matter where you're at on the spectrum of following Jesus, if it's been a new decision that you made or you've been following Jesus for a while, it doesn't matter how old we are, we always have room to grow. Jesus always has things he wants to do. Isn't that awesome? That we're never out of season with God. That he always wants us to do more and fulfill his kingdom and to be more like him. Are you ready to grow? And I hope that you are. And here's the question. Are you dissatisfied with a mediocre faith? Do you want more of Jesus? That's a question you all got to answer. My answer is yes. I want to know more. I want to I be more of the person that God's called me to be. I want to fulfill his mission. I think we're on track this year to have a banner year. I believe God is not surprised by 2020, and he won't be surprised by whatever happens in the next year or five years or ten years. He has a, a kingdom and a mission that he wants you actively involved in. And, and we're on mission. And I don't want any of us to miss out on all the blessings that God has for us. I don't want to miss a blessing. Do you? I don't want to miss a blessing. And, and I think we are blessed when we listen to the words of Jesus, we listen to the word of God, and we put those words into action. And the thing is, we are called to do that because when people see how we operate in the world, it changes the narrative. 
when they say, oh, I'm a Christ follower and I've seen something different in your life, they can't, they can't help but be compelled, I believe, to not only glorify God, but to be part of what's going on. Because they, I think we're, we're in a culture that needs hope, needs direction, need, needs actual boundaries. We're in a culture that needs some guardrails. And in Christ, we can show them the best life possible, but it does matter how we operate. And so when we listen to the words of Jesus, we put them into practice, and I believe it's going to change the narrative, that people will stop rejecting Christianity because of how we're living, but they'll start jumping in because they want some of that. I'm pretty excited about that. So this challenge is not the magic bullet. It's not going to fix everything. It's just an idea to get us in the new year reset with a, with, with a new rhythm. Willow Creek Community Church a few years ago, and this I'll, I'll be real quick here. Willow Creek Community Church was a really, really influential megachurch in the 90s and the early 2000s. And it was led by a, a man named Bill Hybels. And uh, for, for, for many dec- decades, it was kind of like the, the, the trendsetter in the evangelical world. And, and, a, and a few years ago, they did a study, and they found that Willow Creek and churches like that were, were doing a great job of attracting people to their events. They were doing a great job of attracting people into the buildings and getting lots of crowds and building excitement over being in a room with thousands of people, but they were lacking in a few things. And one of them, the big one, was helping people to mature in their faith, to actually take next steps. They were doing great attracting people, and that's good. Jesus attracted people, but the problem is it kind of stopped there where they weren't helping people take next steps. And that's the language that we use here in our churches, taking next steps. And, and, and I think that one of the big keys there is taking the words of Jesus and putting them into practice. And so that's a big idea with this whole red letter challenge. I think Jesus has called us to be his disciples and to go wherever we are and to take his hope to the world. And I believe that that you and I have a, rig, a big role to play in that. We hear his words and do what he says. That's why this challenge, I think, is important for us as we kick off 2021. And I think following Jesus is not a burden. It is the best life ever. And, and we can call people to that best life ever. And so for, for this series and, and the 40-day challenge that's going to start next Sunday, I encourage you to jump in. So, yep, I'm going to commit to reading a sentence of Jesus or I'm going to commit to reading a paragraph of Jesus from the Gospels or I'm going to grab this, you know, workbook. And by the way, this is a great tool. Uh, many of us have picked it up already. You can order that online. We, we emailed that out to you. Uh, I think Saturday morning I emailed that out to the church family. If you're not on our email list, by the way, and you online too, uh, let us know what your email address is. and Give us one that you check so that you can stay updated. We also put this on the Facebook page, but there's a way for you to order this. You can get it used, and that's okay. But for the next 40 days, let's commit together as a church family to put uh, Jesus' words into our ears and our hearts and to put those words into action. I mean, just imagine this. Imagine all of us taking the words of Jesus and putting them into practice. What would that look like for your family? What would that look like for your marriage? What would that look like for our city, our community? What would that look like for our culture? So next Sunday, give you a week to kind of prepare, get your schedule figured out. I hope you can commit to being with us each, each gathering on, on the Sundays to, to, to move us forward in that. But we start next Sunday We'll be going through the five principles that we talked about, the priorities of Jesus. And uh, so I encourage you to, to grab the notebook. If you, for whatever reason you can't get it or, or are unable to, just commit to starting next Sunday, 
opening Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, reading some of those red letters. Every day just commit. And, and do this for 40 days. You know, try, to, try to not break the chain. I've heard that said before. When you're, when you're starting a new habit, get out a calendar and not break the chain. So you keep going, cross out that day, cross out that day. It doesn't have to be two hours. It can be five minutes. I, I believe that God is going to do something if we let Jesus' words into our heart and let those go out. So grab the notebook, commit to that next Sunday. And there's two, two things, and then I want to pray. And two other additional action items, if you will. Number one, let's each of us get on our knees today, this week, and ask Jesus to empower this. Ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, I maybe haven't spent some time with you like I ought to. Would you help me develop a new rhythm in my life? Uh, that you and I would, would pray this week to ask Jesus into our journey. Say, Lord, I want to hear from you, and I want to put into practice what you've said. Maybe you've never prayed a prayer like that. Do that with me this week. And the second thing is maybe you need to invite a friend to come with you. Look, even people who are far from Jesus, who are never part of a church, they're interested in Jesus, believe it or not. They want to know who this Jesus guy is because they hear things about him. What if you invited a coworker or someone in your neighborhood? You know, let's just, let's just read these words of Jesus and see what happens. Let's see if Jesus is all he's cracked up to be. And I believe that God will answer that prayer. So, so pray that Jesus would be part of your journey and ask a friend to join you. I'm going to pray here in a minute for us, but if you've never said yes to Jesus, many of us in this room have, maybe many of you online have said yes to Jesus, but if you haven't, I encourage you to take a next step and make Jesus Lord of your life. It starts with belief, faith in Jesus. He is who he says he is. Repentance of sin. You're going your direction. You realize it wasn't working. You repent and you go the, the way of Jesus. And you confess before men, before your family, that Jesus is Lord and you need him as your Savior. You're baptized into Christ. And you begin living as a follower of Jesus. That's a decision you can make. If that's your, your decision, please let us know either in the chat or let us know if you're here in person at our Connections booth. We'd love to celebrate that with you and help you take your next step. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you. We thank you for uh, all your love and faithfulness to us. We're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for his words. We're thankful for the stories that he told, but they were all for a, a, a purpose. That, Father, you would help us to take the words of your son, Jesus, and put them into our hearts, but not stop there. Actually put them into practice. And that the world around us, our culture, may see Jesus through us. And Lord, may you do something radical this year as we step into this Red Letter Challenge. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.